0: A popular Thai actor retweeted a tweet that described Hong Kong as a country. Chinese jingoists, who are basically the Chinese version of Indian Pugs, decided to boycott his series. And I must give some credit to these Chinese jingoists because unlike the Indian Pugs who boycotted the wrong Tom Holland, they boycotted the right actor. They also stalked the actor and found an old post by his girlfriend that indicated her support for Taiwan as a country. This whole incident turned into an online war between Chinese hypernationalists and Southeast Asian netizens, especially from Hong Kong, Taiwan and Thailand. It's about time I served the hot tea, the milk tea island. Greetings ladies and gentlemen, lasses and lads, welcome to puns, politics and other things. After having been on a long hiatus, I've decided to make a third episode because I couldn't keep all the puns to myself. I'm going to revive the podcast with a hot tea starting with the milk tea Allen's and then I'm going to talk about China's path to becoming a global power and how it employs both hard and soft power to achieve it. Milk tea allen's It is an online democratic movement against China by the netizens of South East Asian nations. Here we are in 2021 seeing it mobilise masses in organised protests against China on ground. The telegraph called it a rare moment of regional solidarity. Tea being an important beverage in the whole of Asia. issue Mainland China drinks tea without milk, whereas Hong Kong adds milk to their tea. Taiwan's specialty is bubble tea, and Thailand has its iced milk tea. Soon after India-China border skirmishes, the Chai fellows also joined the alliance to protest against China. Interestingly, Myanmar citizens also joined them after the coup, as Beijing supports the military dictatorship. This movement is purely anti-China and against its undemocratic actions. After having grown tired. Of its bullying. So basically all the countries that add milk to their tea joined hands against China. Not just with India. China has total disputes with 20 countries and it has become more aggressive ever since Xi Jinping became the president. Political analysts call the style of diplomacy under Xi's administration as for your diplomacy which is basically China being assertive, proactive and high profile in defending its national interests and actions. One may be left wondering what the reason is behind an increasingly aggressive and assertive China. The answer is very simple, global domination. In Xi Jinping's words, China has entered a new era and must take a centre stage in the world. It has pulled out all the stops from hard power to soft power Let's first talk about its military power. To project power globally, China needs a secure regional base, but with USA being an influential ally and security partner to China's neighbours and it constantly patrolling the Chinese shores, China cannot dominate its neighbours. Thus, China built artificial islands to gain control of the disputed South China Sea, which is also claimed by six other countries. Ports, runways, barracks and buildings have been built to accommodate military ships, planes and personnel. And radar systems have been installed in the Spratly Island to keenly monitor the region, which would give People's Liberation Army an information edge over the USA. To worsen things further, in April 2020, China formalised its territorial claims by establishing two administrative districts in the island to govern them. The increasing military presence in the South China Sea has made it easier for China to bully the other claimants. There were also instances of Chinese vessels sinking Vietnamese and Philippines fishing boats. As per the report on PLA's Science of Military Strategy, which was released by Chinese Aerospace Studies Institutes, China concluded that its strategy of entering into conflicts around its periphery deferred its enemies from attacking the mainland. This also explains its increasing physical sphere of influence. USA's Department of Defense released a report titled Military and Security Developments Involving the People's Republic of China 2020. The report mentions that the PRC's strategy includes advancing a comprehensive military modernization program that aims to complete military modernization by 2035 and transform the PLA into a world-class military by the end of 2049. China has already achieved parity or even exceeded the u.s in several military modernizations including shipbuilding land-based conventional ballistic and cruise missiles and integrated air defense system china is the top shipbuilding producing nation in the world by tonnage and is increasing its shipbuilding capacity and capability for all naval classes but it's not the kind of naval development that the indians would like to watch its naval shipbuilding programme put more vessels into the sea than the total number of ships in the German, Indian, Spanish and British navies combined. It has a great shipbuilding capacity, even more than the Gen Z fan clubs on the internet and it has the largest navy in the world. Moreover, PLA is the largest standing ground force in the world that it put the mill in the military. China is the second largest economy in the world and it directs its revenues towards modernizing the military and weapons. It is systematically converting its economic influence into economic coercion in the region. If you think about it, it's the same road one USA took. Professor Hall Brands from John Hopkins University wrote for foreign policy that, quote, From the early days of the Republic, US officials understood that Washington could hardly conceive of playing a major role in global affairs until it had developed a degree of strategic vulnerability within North America and the larger Western Hemisphere. This was the strategic logic that connected the many components of a decades long campaign to evict European rivals from the hemisphere, from the Monroe Doctrine in the 1820s through the breaking of Spanish power in the Caribbean during the War of 1898. The same idea underpinned a century's worth of efforts, some of them morally ambiguous and even deeply problematic, to keep Europeans from re establishing a foothold in the region. From the Roosevelt Corollary in 1904 to the Regan administration's semi war against Sandinista Nicaragua, which was aligned with Cuba and the Soviet Union in the 1980s, end quote. A bipartisan commission during the Cold was said that um, the ability of the United States to sustain a tolerable balance of power on the global scene at a manageable cost depends on the inherent security of its land borders. If America had to defend against security threats near its borders, it would have to assume a permanently increased defence burden and as a result, had to reduce important commitments elsewhere in the world. Boy, has the USA come a long way constantly manages to ward off aliens on one hand and Thanos on the other hand and still remain to be a superpower. I seriously cannot comprehend how they do it. Only if they had thought about sending King Kong to Hong Kong. Anyway, global power cannot be established merely with military might. Economic influence is required and that's where China's Belt and Road Initiative comes into play. It is not to be mistaken for the Belt Initiative of Indian parents by the way. The BRI Initiative, a two-pronged plan consisting of both Overland Economic Route and Maritime routes, was launched by Xi Jinping in 2013. It is an elaborate plan to build infrastructures which includes mine industries, fiber optic network, oil refineries and pot plants along the once mighty Silk Road that paved the way for Central Asian economy to thrive during the ancient and medieval times. The road stretches all the way from East Asia to Europe. In the words of Peter Frankopan from his book The Silk Roads, We think of globalisation as a uniquely modern phenomenon, yet 2000 years ago too, it was a fact of life, one that presented opportunities, created problems and prompted technological advance. Xi's vision included creating a vast network of railways, energy pipelines, highways and streamlined border crossing, both westward and southward and the rest of Southeast Asia. It is anticipated to expand the international use of Chinese currency, RMB. BRI promises to invest $1 trillion in markets abroad, similar to USA's Marshall Plan, which provided aid to Western Europe after World War II. This ultimately creates a Chinese-funded web of influence as the countries are willing to sign up as they can economically benefit from the infrastructure projects and the concessional loans. An Indian think tank in 2017 warned about debt trap policy by China. So what is this debt trap policy and how does it work? China dispenses Billions of dollars in the form of concessional loans to developing countries for their large scale infrastructure projects. They are concessional in nature because the interest rates are below market rates or a grace period is offered sometimes both. Some of these countries get caught in the debt trap and being unable to repay the loan because the loans are usually massive. As a result, China seeks for several advantages and concessions in exchange for debt relief. For instance, Sri Lanka defaulted on a contract to build Hambantota Port and a Chinese company got a 99-year lease in return. This provided China with an opportunity to control an economically significant pause at the doorstep of its regional rival India. China also constructed its first military base in Djibouti in a similar manner and Angola is repaying its debt to China with crude oil which in turn is creating a major problem for its economy. A Washington think tank center for global development has warned that 23 of 68 countries benefiting from belt and road initiatives were significantly or highly vulnerable to debt distress, particularly Djibouti, Kyrgyzstan, Laos, Mongolia, Montenegro, the Maldives, Pakistan and Tajikistan are at risk. The authors of the report are concerned that debt problems will create an unfavourable degree of dependency on China as creditor. Increasing debt and China's role in managing bilateral debt problems has already exacerbated internal and bilateral tensions in some BRI countries. A few more analysts accuse China of what they call a string of pearls, geoeconomic strategy. Similar to how China controls the Sri Lankan port, it also controls the Pakistan port on which it has a 40-year lease and it also has signed an agreement with Myanmar to build a port, thus allowing China to create a string of naval bases in the Indian Ocean, allowing it to guard these routes, which are economically and strategically beneficial to southern and southeastern Asian nations. This shows why BRA has more to it than economic reasons. China not only bullies its neighbors, but also other democracies all over the world. China follows an economic system called state capitalism, which Xi calls it socialism with Chinese characteristics. It appears to be a dynamic capitalistic market with totalitarian top-down structure, which has rigid rules and social restrictions. This makes it easier for China to control the corporate. There have been instances of China punishing corporates and even to some diplomatic strain with the corporation's country of origin. For instance, Mercedes Benz was made to issue an apology after quoting Dalai Lama in an advert which said, Look at situations from all angles and you will become more open. When an apology was issued, People's Daily Official newspaper dismissed it, saying the apology lacked sincerity and reflects the German carmaker's lack of understanding of Chinese culture and values. In the same way, China shut down the websites of Marriott International for a week after the firm listed Tibet and Taiwan as separate countries. Chinese authorities have constantly been harassing these companies and been taking advantage of their interest in Chinese consumer base. It has been seen see increasingly imposing trade restrictions against countries that condemn against China's unscrupulous activities and human rights abuses in Xinjiang and Hong Kong. Australia has been charged with 14 offences by China, which includes condemnation and rejecting Chinese firms' proposed investments, anti-Chinese bias of media and think tanks. In 2017, China barred South Korean K-pop groups from performing in China and stopped Chinese touring groups from visiting South Korea. After South Korea led America to deploy anti-missile batteries in the country as a defense against nuclear North Korea. The conglomerate, which provided land to set up the batteries, faced a boycott across China. This is thought to have trimmed 0.5% of South Korea's GDP that particular year. Again, such trade restrictions and boycotting are seen being practiced by USA too. China has every right to grow its economy but its undemocratic relentless methods has turned businesses into a field of confrontation. Only military might and economic influence don't serve as a springboard to propel China into a superpower. Scientific advancement and innovation advantage gave an edge to USA over the rest of the world during the Cold War. USA was at least a decade advanced in terms of scientific advancement when it became a superpower. China is following US's footsteps, it has spent billions of dollars on machines, to detect dark matter and neutrinos and it is said to have achieved quantum supremacy after it developed the most powerful quantum computer in the world capable of performing at least one task 100 trillion times faster than the world's fastest supercomputers. Nikkei, a Japanese publisher's analysis of 17.2 million research papers from 2013 to 2018, reveals that in 23 out of the 30 busiest fields, such as neuron activation analysis and sodium ion batteries, more papers came from China than any other country. It even overtook America in terms of numbers of papers in 2016. It also accounted for 11% of the most influential paper in 2014-16, as mentioned in an article published by The Economist. China seems to focus on science that has practical implications like gene editing, rocketry, stem cell research, artificial intelligence and particle physics. One of the most notable research is being done by Dr. Huang, who wants to apply CRISPR to the treatment of beta thalassemia, a hereditary blood disease. Another notable research was done by Dr. Zhuo Wei. He used stem cells to repair lungs damaged by emphysema, which is a predominant problem in the country where smoking is common. He conducted a trial in 2018 in which 4 patients had their lung tissue removed and from them the most healthy looking stem cells were isolated and encouraged to multiply. These cells were later sprayed back into the lung. This procedure repaired the lungs of two patients and the other two were neither cured nor harmed. He has since organised extensive trials and researchers. India must take a cue from China and stop wasting taxpayers' money on cow urine and peacock tears, which noticeably amplifies stupidity. China not only leads in military and certain scientific fields, it is also the world's leading country in electricity production from renewable sources, with over double the production than USA, the second-ranking country. According to The Economist, Mr Gies, new economic agenda is to make markets and innovation work better within the tightly defined boundaries and subject to all-seeing community party surveillance. It is not Milton Friedman, but this fruitless mix of autocracy, technology and dynamism, could propel growth for years. China appears to be mimicking America's path to global power, but the world is unwilling to accept a totalitarian superpower that coerces other countries into complying. I'd like to end this episode by quoting Taran Chabra's observation that Beijing's approach to ideology may be flexible, but its cumulative effect is to expand the space for authoritarianism and constrain the space for transparency and democratic accountability. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Kindly do mail your reviews to punspodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter, my handlers are the one awkward lady. I don't regret the username, by the way. See you on the next episode.